Bruce what do you want to get that? into first? We got a lot. All right, all right. Bruce, 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 Bruce. Yeah, I uh, I mean, how could you not be excited about Bruce Irvin being back? I'm kind of surprised that he's back because the way that he was talking on Twitter the last few months, it seemed like he was done, done, like legit, done, like, done. oh, like, oh, yeah, done, done, done. Like he was like legit, like over, like he was enjoying retirement, enjoying just kind of sitting back watching ball. So I was pretty surprised that he, uh, one, was getting a visit to the VMAC and two, uh, actually signed with the team's practice squad. It seems like they are planning on using him too. Uh, P. Carroll talking about how they want to use him kind of uh, like uh, Chen and Nuosu and, and uh, doing all that. That's that's the name that he dropped. So what does that mean? What does Bruce Irvin look like in this particular scheme? Yeah, well, when I heard the news, I immediately envisioned it being like a Daryl Johnson kind of deal with him, right? Um, and then P. Carroll goes and says the way we uh, had seen Bam for basically Bruce and keeping those guys fresh. So he is going to be that kind of early down, set an edge, you know, because they can't trust Daryl Taylor to do it, but also they want to keep Daryl Taylor fresh for early, uh, for later down, sorry, for pass rushing opportunities. They also have, you know, rookies like Boye Mafe, who, you know, up and down play, still learning kind of the, the speed of football and the finer points of it. Whereas Bruce is a really experienced veteran who you can rely upon to come in and set an edge. And the other thing is, like, I happen to have watched Ty, like, you know, just between us, not the other, the eight people watching this live stream. I happen, and the many listeners, which we do appreciate, every single one of you, uh, I happen to have watched a, a clinic from Aaron Curry, who is obviously the Seahawks offensive, well, offensive, outside linebackers coach. And he used quite a few. The, the clinic specifically was on edge setting in, in the defense. And he used quite a few of Bruce Irvin's clips. So on top of the fact that he has experience in Seattle, he's a Seattle guy. He's been staying around the area. On top of the fact that he can uh, be relied upon to set an edge. He's also familiar with uh, Aaron Curry because, Aaron, well, Aaron Curry's familiar with him. He's used him as an example, a coaching tapes kind of example. And he was in Sean Desai's defense. So that crossover of uh you know learning the language basically is the main difference uh is, is big and you know seattle in 2020 when they acquired bruce Irvin as a mike dugar of the athletic i see grinding that tape he uh pointed out in 2020 they started running bare fronts uh, at a higher rate this three four kind of early down look with ken norton as the coordinator and bruce was a big part of that until he unfortunately tore his acl in week two of that season and it's that kind of killed the the plan that year uh, in terms of like the pass rush. It was a bit messy, and then they had to go get Dunlap. But um, yeah, it's it's really cool that he's now back. Uh, it must have been a really tough process for him. I'm sure he's been missing football, and it's great as Pete Carroll himself spoke about that they've expanded the practice squad to allow this kind of opportunity to happen. And Ty, I'm glad you mentioned that Carroll mentioned him in terms of Nuosu in what they can do. It sounded like more like the passing down stuff, like taking your shots. Uh, but that's also a, a case of in the scheme when you're an edge setter, like there's moments where you're expected to force the play and turn it back. But you can also be a force player by taking an inside move and still tackling the running back. It's just when to do that. Because if you take your shot and miss it, then there's no edge to the defense. Yeah. Um, they're going to need guys, right? Because, like, again, you know, and, and to maybe take a little bit of the, the pressure off and put uh, Daryl Taylor in, in more favorable positions because you got to get him going. So it's, 
you know, you bring in someone who's who's familiar, and you know, he did play a little bit last year with what was it, Chicago? He was with Chicago, right? Because they play, he played against Seahawks. Yes. Yeah, Sean yeah, and he's high familiarity. Yeah, 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 and he sacked Russ in that game, I think, too. Pretty he sure. did, yeah, he did. It was the Bruce Irvin mm-hmm. revenge game. The Bruce Irvin revenge game. That's right. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think it's a, a a solid move overall. I mean, we'll we'll see what kind of shape he's in, and I mean, if they signed him, then that means that he he's probably in in pretty good uh, in a pretty good spot. So um, we'll see if he can help. Uh, but at least the familiarity there, it that part helps, and you know, we'll see how that all goes and how much he ends up playing. But you know, it's a, it's good to see him back because, like like you mentioned, I'm glad that you mentioned it back in 2020 that he was going to be a big part of what they wanted to do. And yeah, he gets hurt in week two, and then you just you don't see him again. And then you know he doesn't obviously doesn't come back in the off season. So uh, you know we were kind of robbed of the of the return of Bruce Irvin. So I'm glad that we're getting at least uh, another crack at, at potentially seeing that. Um, so yep. Well, no, no, no. and on that you as well, go. Ty, the, the mental aspect, you know, like, I think they're very short of veterans in their locker room. And I don't think they, like, you know, this is just an added bonus. I don't think they went out and were like, we need to get a veteran. I think they went out and went, we need to get an edge setter. But the fact, you know, Bruce is 34 now. It's his, you know, he first came into the league in 2012. So it's his 10th year in the 10th season in the league. You know, I think that kind of uh, presence just to, guide the young young dudes but also Pete praised his mentality and his competitiveness and his want to do things right like he's diligent he cares like that all really matters and figures into the equation too and also Ty West Virginia go Mountaineers little uh Bruce and Gino reunion uh that 2011 West Virginia team yeah there you go there you go we're, we're you know your favorite your favorite team your favorite team Maddie favorite college so it's all coming together it's all coming it's almost like you are the one behind the scenes pulling all the strings well you know i'll just go with no comment there um Mm. but um got john schneider on speed dial uh yeah i mean we go we go you know way back obviously uh that phone yep yep. yeah 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 uh he he just doesn't answer recently it's really weird um Mm. demarcus lawrence has 51.5 career sacks and bruce evan has 52 I was looking at Demarcus Lawrence earlier in the day because I've done mm. a video on the Cowboys pass rush. Demarcus Lawrence is thirty, but uh, so four years younger. But anyway, that's cool that Bruce has more sacks than Demarcus. So Bruce Irvin is better than Demarcus Lawrence, is what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, completely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Cam, Cam, as Camden points out here, you know Bruce could uh, really fix the uh, the outside fits. So you know they need help with that. They need help, any help that they can get to. You know, stop getting beat out on the outside because that's been a that's been a pretty big issue for them as of late. So hopefully, uh, hopefully he can give them something here. Like anything that he can give you, I mean, is a bonus because right now, really, nothing is working for you. The personnel just you're not getting production out of a lot of guys that you're hoping to rely on going into this year. So, you know, for what you were saying with the with the veteran presence and just the overall familiarity why not take the shot right like why not do that especially at this point when the defense is literally in hell right now why mm. not throw stuff at the wall and just see what sticks uh so i want to move on real quick and, and just cover like a, another small item that we have uh in regards to the um, the start time of this week's game against the cardinals um as you guys know 
I uh, I cover a lovely baseball team in Seattle called the Seattle Mariners, who just so happened to be in the playoffs for the first time in 21 years. And the uh, Seattle sports in general hasn't really had to deal with this kind of issue for uh, for quite some time uh, with the uh, stadiums being next door to one another and in, in the middle of October. Uh, but the uh, the Mariners, if they force a game four of the ALDS, which would require a win either tomorrow or on Saturday, uh, the uh, Seahawks will uh, be forced to move the game back by about a half hour or by uh, sorry, an hour and a half rather uh, to 530 Eastern time, 230 Pacific time. That was the report from EM Rappaport this morning. But again, that requires the Mariners to either win tomorrow or Saturday. We'll see. Hopefully they do. Hopefully, but we'll see. Uh, but yeah, so for those that are. Um, planning on heading to the stadium for the game uh you will either know tomorrow or saturday if the game is getting pushed back by an hour and a half or not walk walk walk. Yeah, walk. definitely do not take your car <laughs> into the city of seattle this sunday do not do it don't do it public transit is your friend walking is your friend your your own two legs yeah Camden says an hour and a half isn't enough time. That's exactly what I was saying. It really isn't because like, like think about, <laughs> think about baseball the slow. There's extras, which probably like Seattle has been weird recently. The Mariners that is like, yeah. Well, so, and also playoff got, games are just naturally slower. Playoff right. games are naturally slower. And with extra innings, there is no uh, automatic runner on second in the playoffs. So as we saw with uh, Cleveland and Tampa Bay back on Saturday, game could go like 15 16 innings if it you know if no one ends up scoring so that's the thing that you worry about also on top of that i'm pretty sure they're playing a cracking game over across the uh the city as well so it's going to be a very very busy day also the kraken are about to start will their uh, first game tonight go crack there we go will uh robbie ray pitch in this series because you could just pitch him on the sunday uh hopefully that, not that, hopefully not but yeah yeah i get what you're saying yeah i, I uh, uh, yeah that's yeah, that's that's a guy funny. when he's down really that's, nice that, yeah, that's yeah, that's real, funny that's funny classy. maddie right, really okay. really great yeah thanks for thanks for just letting me know about that just driving the knife and even further even further yeah but, i'm in um, so much pain i'm in so much pain guys <laughs> hey 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 I like the team too. Like I don't, I don't get a big deal. It's not like you know you right. watch much more of them and cover the team and everything. Maddie, Maddie yeah. F baseball, Maddie F exactly. baseball, of course. Yeah, yep. yep. that's my side brand. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so Pete Carroll talks about the defense. Um, Seven ten ESPN. You mentioned the struggling run defense. We talked about how Bruce hopefully will help on that. It was a bit weird, like. Pete was saying that they're unable to find a consistency, which is what we've been saying, and they've got to clean their stuff up, and that teams are running the ball at them a lot, and that they'll keep doing it if you let them, and the league takes what you give them, and right now they're getting away with running the ball, and that they're uncommonly inconsistent, and it just doesn't feel right, which is a bit of a troubling statement. He seemed more optimistic throughout the week, and he talked about how you know Taysom Hill is a unique, a unique uh, kind of problem for a team. Where, as we said again, the Wildcat gives you plus one in the run game. When that dude is a guy who can actually throw it a bit like Hill, then it's a bit more of a dilemma. The fact that Seattle didn't execute their plan is still like ghouling to me. Like, I mean, every other team who's faced Hill this season has actually looked like they had a bit of an idea. 
whereas Seattle just looked completely clueless. And every play he wasn't in, I was like, oh, thank God for that. Because It looked like the first doing. time when Taysom Hill became a thing, right? Like when Right, first... right. Like, what is this? this yeah, is like, oh, my God. That's amazing. Yeah, whoa. Um, oh, you can also play tight end? Oh, my God. Taysom yeah. Hill is the best player in football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's uh, give that guy $100-plus plus million dollars. But then throughout the week, Pete says um, that the linebackers continue to take advantage of the system, but they're both growing within it. He said it was Cody Barton's better game, and it was last week was the best game that the two inside linebackers played. He then says Jordan Brooks is an incredible football player, an incredible player, that the, there's nothing but the sky's the limit for him, and they'll keep shooting for that. So he's obviously feeling Pete optimistic, and he said on the team overall... We're within striking distance of doing something really special, so we're going for it. Like, wow. Um, so that was quite a statement. And I can kind of see where he's coming from. Like, I think overall, and we'll discuss this in our tape podcast tomorrow, but with Griff involved as well, overall, like, the defense did show signs of improvement. Again, they, they did that against Detroit too. I think it's kind of beginning to settle into something. Um it was interesting as well how Pete said about the defensive tackles. Again, kind of what we say, but all of the stuff we're doing now, we've done in the past. <laughs> in the 3-4 stuff, there's a little bit more of us reading the linemen differently. So that's like a predominant... Uh, it's more predominant that they're mirror-stepping is basically what he's saying because Seattle, when they run their 3-4 looks this year, there's a lot more of playing on the inside of the tackle where you mirror-step, so you take a flat six-inch lateral step and you knock back the uh, tackle and mirror him where he departs rather than playing on the outside shoulder of the guard as a what we call a three technique and six inch power stepping so more of a forward step into the guard knocking him back uh so that's a subtle difference but really he's like there's not much of a difference to the defensive tackles um so i think we'd disagree and we'd be like when the four three stuff like in the nickel stuff puna having to play on the inside shoulder of the guard heavy up on earlier downs where they're they're already outgapped, um, outnumbered because they're playing too high. That's a bit different, but I think it all just seems like overall the sentiment is that it's all going to settle down. Uh, and based on the film, I think they are probably getting there. 